0: Let us pray. Precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have to study your word. We trust you that you will teach us by your spirit, and because it's your will for us to know the things of your kingdom, we trust you to open our eyes and ears tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're still continuing with uh, what is doctrine. First Timothy 4.16, the church is warned. To take heed unto thyself, Timothy, and unto the doctrine. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. As we study, you see people whose faith was wrecked because of wrong doctrine. So this teaching came because somebody asked the question, what is doctrine? And I realized that many people may not even know what doctrine means and so can't even know uh, the wrong doctrine from the true doctrine. So what is doctrine? We said that doctrine is teaching of a church or a group which they hold as true. A belief system, set of belief systems held and taught by a church or political party or any other group or organization. Every church will have their tenets of faith that defines them, that makes them distinct, that is their red lines. They say, this is what we believe. And like we said last week, before you join the church, help yourself. Do yourself a word of good and find out what you're getting yourself into. So you need to know what they believe. And here we do have our tennis faith. We have our 22 of them. And we teach them in the Sunday school so that before we can take you in, you would have gone through what we believe and we ask you if you believe with us. For two cannot work together except they agree. So it's important that you attend the Sunday school. That's why you Learn the doctrines that we teach in this place. However, there are places that they don't, they don't have doctrinal order. It's anything goes. No standardization. And so people bring a cacophony of doctrines and confuse each other, and they go back to their churches and confuse everybody. God is a God of order. There should be standard of doctrine. That should be the red line when you say this is non-scriptural. It doesn't matter who teaches that. So, we say that the source and the only arbiter, the auditor of the doctrine for the church of Jesus is the word of God. Not a man, not your dream, not your vision, nothing. You can tell your visions and dreams, wonderful, but when it comes to doctrine, set of beliefs, the Bible is the only source of it. Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, profitable for doctrine, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. And then, Psalm 119.105 says, that word is lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. So the word of God guides us in the path we follow. Isaiah 8.20 says, look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. And the Berean Christians knew this much. And that's what is recommended for we Christians to do. Take it unto the doctrine. You owe it to yourself to think for yourself. You are an adult. Your eternal destiny is not what you toy with, it's not what you joke with. You must be sure that what you're believing is not going to wreck your life. And so the Bereans knew this and look at what they did. Acts of the Apostles 17:11. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. So it didn't matter who was preaching it. They listened eagerly. They were eager to learn. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. That's what you need to do. We live in perilous times. A lot of false doctrines. You need to do this. doesn't matter who teaches it, including me. Take your Bible, open it up. Go through it. And the Bible says, as a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent women and men. Many people saw his Bible and they believed it. When you see that the Bible has authenticated the fact You've got to believe it. And then, I'm not talking of taking one verse. No. Because people take one verse and run with it and deceive people. No, no, no. The Bible says, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, shall every matter, every word be established. You need two, three scriptures. The best is get from the Old Testament, where the prophets said it, from the New Testament, where Jesus did it, and where the Holy Spirit confirmed it in the letters. The best. But at least two scriptures. Don't run with one scripture. In the scripture, doctrines is sometimes referred to as the oracles of God. Some some translations call it the living oracles of God. Why do they call it oracles of God? Oracles of God is the teaching that came directly from God oracles of God. You know, when we, we, we didn't know Christ and we didn't stop. They said, let us go and see the oracle in the villages. So, the oracle is the teaching that comes directly from God himself to man. And what qualifies more than the scripture? What qualifies more than the scripture? Because the scripture was written by God. In 2 Timothy Well, let me show you Hebrews 5.12, why the scripture calls it oracles of God. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers now, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. The first principles of the teachings that God gave to the church. That's why I called the oracles of God. And the Bible says when we speak, we should speak like Oracles of God. Which means we must present what God says as if God himself was saying it. There's no room here. Otherwise, you become a spreader of false doctrine. So, the Bible qualifies to us Christians to be the real authentic message that God gave to us. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, Every scripture, not some. Every scripture passage is inspired by God. All of them are useful for teaching, pointing out errors. Teaching is doctrines. Like we say, doctrine is a set of teachings. Teaching, pointing out errors, correcting people, and training them for a life that has God's approval. I use different translations. You can see another translation bringing out the same meaning. You know, some people, they say, oh, that Paul and James, they are not agreeing concerning faith. You don't know what you're talking about. There's no no disagreement in the word of God. Paul is talking about faith for salvation. Timothy, James is talking about faith to live by as a Christian daily, daily, daily. Faith that produces work in salvation. it's It's not by your works. That's what Paul is talking about. He was called to preach the gospel. It's not confusion. People don't know what they're talking about. When you come into Christ by faith in Christ alone, and then you become a Christian, and then you start living by faith in the Word, and that faith produces righteousness, produces good works. It's when you trust the spirit of Christ in you that you activate the power of Christ in you who is at work in you to will now and to do the good pleasure of God, so Christ that now is resident in you, the power of the life-giving Spirit of Christ that lives in you, begins to produce the life of Christ because you believe and trust Him. But if you don't believe and trust Him, and you trust in your arm, you will immediately stop that work of the Spirit of God. Unbelief will stop it. So there's no confusion here. So the doctrines or teachings of the scripture, the top on the list is the gospel of grace. There are other doctrines. Like I said here, we have 22 of them. But the top on the list, and I'm going to touch on some of them another time, but the top on the list is what we need to focus on today, which is the gospel of grace, because that's where the devil has pegged his attack. It's foundational doctrine, because if you get it wrong here, You get it wrong in everything. So the scripture calls it again the doctrine of Christ. Because it's teaching about Jesus Christ, the son of God. It's not about 10 commandments. It's the doctrine of Christ. It's not about Moses. It's the doctrine of Christ who died to save us. It's focused on Jesus, not on man. And this is what you believe, to become a Christian. So the devil knows that. So he will people there, pegs his peg there, confusing people. Doesn't want them to, to know the truth and be saved. Even when they are saved, he wants to pull them away from that faith that is in Christ alone. Remember we sing it, in Christ alone. So it's important that we focus on this today and make sure we understand all aspects of it as the Spirit of God teaches us today. Look at 2 John verse 9. Whoever transgressed and abided not in the doctrine of Christ. Focus on Jesus. Doctrine of Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer. There is no other Redeemer that God gave us. Redemption is not what men do. It's what Christ did for us. So the doctrine of Christ had not God. If you don't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, grace of God, and he died for you, you say you don't have God. He that abided in the doctrine of Christ, he that believes in this gospel of Christ, the gospel of grace, he had both the Father and the Son. Verse 10, if that come... Any unto you and bring not this doctrine, teaching salvation by any other means, receive him not into your house, neither bid him gospel. For he that bideth him gospel is partaker of his evil deeds. I think you know this is the Bible. So, what does this doctrine teach? It teaches we are saved by grace, not by works, through the price that Jesus paid on the cross. As simple as that. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, four, but God is so rich in mercy. Watch the word mercy. Watch the word grace. Because we're going to talk about them much, much later. He's so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. Think on it. Six, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in the future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. So God can say, this is the work of my grace and kindness towards you. Verse, yeah, as shown in all he has done for us, who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse eight, God saved you by his grace, repeated, How many times by his grace when you believed, period. When you believed, you got saved. don't have to do any other thing. When you believed, you got saved. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He, God, he, God, not you, he, God, created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If he didn't create you anew in Christ Jesus, you can't do nothing. The old nature can, cannot do anything. Now, John 3, 16, we know that very well. For God so loved the world. We are talking about what this gospel, what this doctrine teaches. For God so loved the world. Motive is love. That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth, it, believe it. Whoever believeth, it. That's all you do. Believe it in him. Should not perish. You don't need to do anything else. But have everlasting life. Titus 3, five. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done. We're not saved because we did anything. There's nothing you do that brings you salvation except what Jesus did. All you need to do is to believe it. But because of his mercy, watch the word mercy? He washed away our sins. He's doing all of this. He washed away our sins, giving us a new bath, which means being born again, and new life through the Holy Spirit. He is the one doing all of this. Verse 6, he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Which one have you done yet? None, except believe. Verse 7, because of his grace, what's the word grace? What the word mercy? Because of his grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. So you can see what the gospel is, the doctrine of Christ. Number two thing that this doctrine of Christ does is that it reveals to us the true nature of God. That God is love. We talked about it last week. Love that gives undeserved mercy. I mean undeserved favor. Love that is not merited. 1 John 4.9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one, and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. He's showing how He loved us, that He gave us life instead of death, which we deserve. This is real love, people, verse 10. Not that we loved God. Can't say you did any good thing for this thing, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice. To take away our sins. Romans 5 8. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So He reviews God in His true identity as love, for God is love. Now, when we do not have the correct knowledge of God, listen to me, we get easily deceived. Number two, our relationship with God, how we respond to God is affected. If we don't know and understand, they have the correct knowledge of who God is, your response to God will be wrong. Because your response is determined as from how you perceive who God is. Look at Matthew 6-7. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think. Because, you see, they don't know God as love. So they think, we have to do this and do this. Over and over and over. And then go and convince him. You know, go and wake him up like the prophets of Baal were doing. Trying to wake him up. Trying to do this. They think they walk from their human wrong assumption of who God is. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. You see the response is as a result of how they perceive who God is. So they think we need to do this over and over and over and over. But that's not who God is. God says, ask and shall, shall be given. For God's so loved. That he gave. He said, I gave you my son. What will I not give you? So if you know him as love, you're not going to act like this. Towards him. You're going to easily ask and easily receive and walk away. So our response to God is determined largely by how we perceive who God is. And we can see it from where we read. The accurate knowledge of God is very important, therefore. The gospel reveals the accurate knowledge of who God is. God is love. Now see what God said about knowing him. So you see how important it is that you understand the gospel in details. Jeremiah 9.23. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom. Don't boast in your wisdom. Or the powerful boast in their power. Or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. What should we boast in God? That they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love. And who brings justice and righteousness to the earth that I delight in these things. I the Lord has spoken. What else do we need to hear? God said, make sure that the knowledge of God you have is accurate. I love to demonstrate unfailing love. I'm bringing righteousness to the earth through my son, Jesus Christ. I'm bringing justice to the earth. To judge sin on my son. I want to judge sin on my son. He will pay the price for it. Demonstrating my unfailing love for you. Know me that way. So two very important aspects of God's love that I want to look at now. Number one, it's always unmerited. And so, it's an act of undesired favor called grace. So we remove grace. You're not talking about the love of God. Oh, the devil will love for you to erase grace, give it to another definition. So you miss out the, the knowledge of God. he deceive you. Number two, he does not give us what we deserve, which is death. For the soul that sinned shall die. He gave us forgiveness. Say, my unfailing love is bringing justice on earth and righteousness. He came and just sinned on Christ. He laid it on him, judged him. The Bible says it pleased him to smite him. The anger of God fell on him. Justice of God was fulfilled. Jesus paid it all for us. The unfailing love of God. So he doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us forgiveness. Because his son... Our sins. My sin was judged. Don't think it wasn't judged. God is a God of justice; He judged it. The son, that sin, shall die. Christ too, too, took my place, and died, paid for it. He, God judged sin on Christ. So you can see, the two words you can use in the love of God is grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. You come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Grace and mercy. You can't miss this, people. Grace and mercy. Grace, he gives you what you don't deserve. Mercy, he doesn't give you what you deserve. Those two words we are recording as we are reading about the doctrine of Christ, about the gospel, Grace, so that people will see my, my work of my grace, see the work of my mercy. It's a delight in showing unfailing mercy. He is bounceful in mercy for his love. He can't help it, that's his nature. Therefore, the preachers of the true gospel preach about the grace and mercy of God to mankind through Jesus Christ. If you remove these two things, you're not talking of the love of God. You're talking something else. This grace and mercy results in forgiveness of sins and salvation of mankind, freely given and freely received at the cost of Jesus. Example. Let's see the preachers of the true gospel. Acts 13 verse 38. Brothers, listen. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Through him, God judged your sins on him. God made him who knew no sin to be seen. God judged it on him, forsook him. So, forgiveness is yours. You don't have to do anything, it's yours. What would God demand of you after he had joined Jesus Christ? Tell me what he would demand of you. Acts 14, verse 3. But the apostles stayed there a long time. These now are the apostles. We're talking about the apostles. These are apostles. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. (laughs) That's what it is all about. And the Lord proved, proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. God said, sure, that's what it's all about. The true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, teaches about the grace and mercy of God that brought Jesus to die for mankind so that the sin of the world is judged on him. So forgiveness is given to us and we become sons of God. Acts 10, 43. He is the one all prophets testified about, saying, saying, that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Everyone. Paul, let's listen to Paul. Acts 13, 38. Oh, we've read, we, we, we read Acts 10, 38, did we? Yeah, we did before. So we can't read it again. So if the devil now calls you off from the grace, The mercy of God, through which God gives you, for God so loved, he gave you. Through which God gives you all your blessings, he cuts you away from Christ. It's simple. Brethren, it's just that simple. He will cut you away from Christ. He will, because you can't buy Jesus. There's no other way it comes to you. Peter said to somebody, I money perish with thee, for you think you can buy the gift of God. The Bible says you come on their course. And then he went to the whole church. I tell you why the Bible said, take it unto the, unto the doctrine. He, the devil went to the whole church, pulled them away from their faith in Christ, and put it on something else. And Paul's heart was broken. He said, all my work is wasted. Everything I've been preaching to you is gone. Who did this to you? Who bewitched you? What devil did this to you? Galatia 1 says, I marvel. I marvel that you are soon removed from him, from Christ. You've been removed from Jesus. From him that called you into the grace of Christ. You've been removed from Christ. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Unto another gospel. That's not talking about grace and mercy. You've been taken away from Jesus. People, you've been removed. Oh, you've been removed. Which is not another, because there's not another. But there are some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse eight. But do we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you? Than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's serious. Serious stuff. Jesus said, it is better you were not born than that you mislead, mislead one of these ones that have put their faith in me. You take, you mislead them, it was better you didn't come to this earth. Galatians chapter 3 in verse 1. All foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? Who did this to you? For the meaning of, Christ, of Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. We taught you why he died. Your sin was judged on him. We told you the truth about him. That forgiveness is all yours now. Righteousness is all yours now. For he said, I love, I delight in unfailing love. And I'm bringing justice to earth. And I'm bringing righteousness to earth. For the Lord, our righteousness is coming here. All foolish Galatians who cast this evil spell on you. Verse 2. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the Lord of Moses? Of course not. You receive the Holy Spirit because you believe the message about, you heard about Christ. Because all the blessings come through grace, through Jesus. How foolish can you be after starting your Christian faith in the Spirit? Trusting in the Spirit of Christ? Why are you not trying to become perfect by your own human effort? see why the thing ended? The devil pulled them away from Christ, focused them on their own human effort, the arm of the flesh that is worthless people, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and the flesh will profit you nothing. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit, and it gives life. Anything born of the flesh, human effort, trying to be holy, trying to do this, trying to do that, so of the flesh. Religion. For except the Lord builds you. Except the Lord. Except Christ in you. The only hope of glory. It is the spirit of Christ. The power of the life-giving spirit of Jesus living in you that gives life to your mortal bodies. The, 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 the works as you trust him to move you, to use your hands, to use your mouth, to reflect the glory of life beyond man to live, to live, to produce, beyond man to produce. For without Christ, we can do nothing. Nothing is nothing. Church of God, nothing is nothing. Without Christ, we can do nothing. He is the only hope of glory. Why are you trying to produce glory without him? Why did you get the ability to do that? So you can boast in how good you are. The Bible says, all such boasting is sin. He that boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Let him boast in the Lord. The power of the life-giving spirit, the Romans chapter 8, says that delivered us from the, the power of sin and death that was in us. Producing sin. This new life, this new Christ produces righteousness. Paul said, I live by faith in him. I'm dead. Can't do anything anymore. Him. He's my light. My righteousness. My hope. My all. and all. The strength of my life. The source of the living water. To him be all the glory forever and ever. Everybody say amen. That's what the gospel is teaching us. Foolish Galatians who did this to you. You can't produce what Jesus will produce in you. You cannot, foolish Galatians. Foolish Galatians, you cannot. Who did this to you? All you need to do is to trust Christ and walk in the rest of God. Rest, rest, he gave you. He that believeth has entered the rest of God. You enter his rest. You enter his rest. You enter his rest. Come unto me, all you that are heavily laden. And you carry the burden. You want to be holy. You want to be good. Don't carry the burden. Give it to Jesus. Come unto me. Stop your burden. I am the Lord, your helper. I am the Lord, your life. I'm the Lord your righteousness. I'm the Lord your sanctification. I'm the Lord your wisdom. What do you want? I'm everything. Come unto me. And the never say no. Paul said, "Who cast this spell on you? Who can make this choice in his right mind? It's not possible. You lost your mind, people. That's what he said." Verse 3, how foolish can you be? After starting your Christian life in the street, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit or work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message. You heard about Christ. For all things are possible only to them that believe. The grace of God through Christ makes us all that we can be. You, you can't improve on the new creation. You can't improve on the born again Christian. You can't. It's a perfect. It's a perfect masterpiece that the hand of that the Spirit of God produced. The grace says so we're completing him. We are complete. You can't, be, you can't improve on who you are. You are equipped with all things that you need for life and godliness. Because the source of it all is living in you, joined to your spirit, living by the power of his kingdom. The grace of God makes us all we are. Paul said, I am all, I'm what I am by the grace of God. It's our act undeserved. The love of God. That's what it is. You can't pay for it. Every blessing comes through Christ. For of his fullness, we all receive grace upon grace. One blessing upon another. May I ask you, Christian brother and sister, do you know any other source of blessing for you? Apart from Jesus. Acts 20, 32. And so now, I entrust you into God's hands. And the message of his grace, which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are in through the message of his grace. Every right preacher, every person preaching the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ teaches about the grace of God and the mercy of God that God has showered upon us in Christ Jesus. The Bible says well, we receive the abundance of grace. The Bible says through this grace, through this message of his grace... Blessings are imparted upon us. Salvation, righteousness, and freedom from power of Satan. Healing is imparted upon us. He paid it all. God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace, which he provides as the spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. He made us holy. He made us holy. He made us holy. It's God's plan to make us holy through the blood of Jesus. It's God's plan. We are sanctified by faith in Him. See, healing and mercy is part of divine plan. Like mercy, like I said. The healing, and, the healing and is part of divine mercy that comes to us. It's part of the blessing that comes to us. Let me even focus on that one for a minute and we'll move on. Look at Lamentations 3.22. It is of the lost mercy that we are not consumed. What else? Because his compassion fell not. It doesn't fail. Those that trust in him will never be put to shame. His compassion fell not; His mercies are for us because the blood of Jesus guarantees it. The blood is speaking on your behalf. And the blood is saying before the throne of God, mercy, forgiveness, better than what the blood of Abel was talking about. Blood of Abel was asking for vengeance. The blood of Jesus is talking about mercy, talking about grace, talking of forgiveness. That's the nature of God, for God is love. The blood ministers before him. Christ, our high priest, with his blood on our behalf. So he says to us, the Old Testament wrote it. The Old Testament wrote it. He said it is of the lost message that were not consumed because his compassions fell not. The blood guarantees it. They are new every morning. Why? Great is thy faithfulness. He has said he will not Go back with it. He will show mercy to the sons of Abraham. They show mercy of David in Christ. And so in Luke chapter 18, somebody knew this. Luke chapter 18, verse 38. And he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on men. Jesus said, Sure, I brought you grace and truth. Mercy is yours. That's why I came. Have mercy on me. And they, they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. And he cried so much the more because he had faith in the mercy of God through Christ. The Bible teaches us people that the disciples of Jesus Christ, the early church, that they had faith in the love of God, that they knew the love of God, they understood the grace of God, they understood the mercy of God, and they pegged their faith in His love, His unfailing love. Or oh, we peg our faith in ourselves, how many hours we prayed, and we think that if you punish yourself, that God will be so impressed, sir there remain no other sacrifice that God wants. He takes no pleasure in any other sacrifice. But he called out the monk, thou son of David, you are the promised one that will sit on the throne of David. You are the one that he just talked about. You are here. Thou son of David have mercy on me. And Jesus stood. <laughs> the man hit the right cord. Jesus said, sure. For Christ brought us grace. Grace. Unfailing love of God. Said, sure. Jesus stood. Jesus stood. Mean, man. The Lord stood. For every business of the Lord, he stood for one man. That the crowd said, you don't, you don't deserve him. You don't deserve to get to him. Shut your mouth up. He will not look at you. Who do you think you are? You haven't been to a synagogue in a while. Perhaps you don't even do much. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Come on, stop bothering him. You are not the type he will look at. The man said, mercy, mercy prevails over judgment. All I want is mercy. And Jesus said, sure. Anybody that wants it gets it. Jesus stood. The crowd said you don't merit it. Jesus said, no. It's not merited. It's not merited. Those that call upon the name of the Lord are saved. It's not merited. I mean, we wonder in that crowd, and there are people who are sick. Why didn't they also call for mercy? Why didn't they call for mercy? They would have gotten the same thing, for God is no respecter of persons. How come in that crowd, only one person saw the source of mercy and called out for it? How come? All those Pharisees that read the Bible, is it possible that in today's church, there are a lot of people sitting in the pews who don't even know the grace and mercy of God in Christ and they wouldn't appeal to it? Is it possible? And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought. Jesus said, you come. Come. And when he was coming near, he asked him, saying, what mercy do you want? Because my mercy gives you all the blessings. Which one? What will thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, receive thy sight. You don't have to do any of thing. You don't pay for it. Nobody merits it. If you call upon the mercy of God, you get it. It's through me it comes. It is through me it comes. Anybody talk you out of the grace of God? What else would they give you? What else will bring you healing? But the mercy of God, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Oh, as I'm talking, I'm persuaded that even at this moment, if you shall sit where you are and open your mouth and say, Jesus, have mercy upon me, He will heal you. I'm persuaded. Thy faith has saved thee, and immediately he received his sight and followed him. <laughs> immediately received his sight, followed Jesus. Why? Why shouldn't you follow him? Follow him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it. Gave praise unto God. The crowd that hindered him joined the church. (laughs) They joined the church. They joined the man. The man started praise worship. Of course, it is marvelous in our sight. This is the doing of the Lord. On the cross, God displayed his grace and mercy. Marvelous in our sight. Who will know it? Who will? To whom? Is the arm of the Lord revealed? No, wrong teachings will come and deny the grace of God. That's what it would do, and promote human effort and human wisdom. And yet, without Christ, we can do nothing. The wrong doctrine strives to deny the grace of God. People, or at the best, they want to join grace and works. No, the Bible says, grace: if it's grace, is grace; if it's work, it's works. So you can't join them. Jesus didn't save us together with what we did. It's always like Jesus saved us by what he did, period. You come and take the grace of God or forget it. And so here Jude chapter, Jude verse 3 says, dear friends, dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, this doctrine of grace that we share. But now I found that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith. That God has entrusted once and for all to the holy people. Defend the gospel. Do not let them deceive you. Stand on the solid rock. Jesus himself. Defend the gospel that God has entrusted into our hands. I say this because some ungodly people have warmed their way into into your churches. Saying that God's marvelous grace allows people to live in moral lives, drop the grace, don't talk about grace, it makes people sin, makes people sin. Is it not in churches? The mercy of God, just healed somebody, gave him sight. The grace of God said, I've come to teach you to deny iniquity. Oh, they say, no, 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 it makes people sin. It's demonic, demonic stuff. Denying Christ that brought us grace, somebody stands up and says, what Christ brought us, makes us sin, that's blasphemy. Saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The Bible said that Jesus, the son of God, brought us grace and truth. Somebody who says, I believe in Jesus, says, what you brought us, sir, is making us sin. You didn't save us from sin. You corrupted us with with grace. That's what they're saying. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago. Why? For they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. They denied him. But you know, it is those who walk under, under the grace of God that sin do not dominate. Why? Because they trust the power, the power, the power, the life-giving power of Christ in them that works in them to keep them, produce the new life. They trust him. And those that trust in him will never be put to shame. Look at Romans 6.14. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. The grace of God sets us free from sin. The acts of Jesus. Now, the next thing they do is they deny the resurrection. And remember, the Bible said that if Christ did not rise, then our faith is worthless. So they would deny resurrection. 2 Timothy 2.16. And avoid empty chatter and worthless words, for they simply add to the irreverence of those who converse in that manner. For the words of Hermanius and Philetus, Are like gangrene. He said wrong doctrine is like gangrene. They have already spread their poison to many. They are lost to the truth and teach gross error when they teach that the resurrection of the dead has already passed. They say that Jesus didn't rise. They are guilty of subverting the faith of some believers. But the foundation of God was written, has written upon it these two inscriptions. The Lord God recognizes those who are truly his, not these ones preaching this wrong stuff. God knows those who are preaching the gospel of grace, who are preaching the mercy of God that is in Christ Jesus. God knows them. That's what he's saying. And everyone who worships the name of Lord Jesus must forsake wickedness. This act of spreading poison is wicked. It's killing people. The next thing they think, they think that Jesus did not come in real body <laughs> But I've heard people say that. I'm not kidding. They deny that Jesus came in f- the flesh. They say, no, it is his spirit. When God said, that's the seed of Abraham. I mean, seed of, uh, the seed of man. Look at that. 2 John 7, I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in the real body. They do. There are teachings like that. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve, people. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ Anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship both with the father and the son. Verse 10. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. That's serious. serious. First John four three. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it he should come, and even now already is it in the world. So any spirit that teaching you that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, it is his spirit. Is the devil? Because Jesus had to be a man. The Bible says he became man, so he can represent us. If he's a spirit, he didn't die for us, he didn't represent us. Hebrews 2.14 Because should children are human beings, made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil... Who had the power of death, so you see, he became flesh and blood. So that argument we put it to rest right there. Now they see that salvation is by works or a combination of works and grace. Look at Colossians chapter 2, 16. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for celebrating certain holidays or new moon ceremonies, or Sabbath, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious, save, deny. These are the things they recommend for people as part of salvation. You have to keep this the Sabbath. You have to keep this one. You have to do this rules. You have to do this one. They have to deny yourself this. Deny yourself that. You don't have to wear earrings. You have to do this. All kind of junk. The Bible says, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or worship of angels, saying they have had visions about this, Their sinful minds have made them proud. They are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with each joint and ligament. And it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ. That's what is important. And he has set you free from spiritual powers of this world. So why do you follow these rules as if that is what will set you free? You are already free. Acts 15:5. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted. They insisted. The Gentiles converts must be circumcised and are required to follow the law of Moses. They insisted. Then look at how the apostles responded in Acts 15:23. This is the letter we, they took with them. This letter is from the apostles and elders. Your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentiles believers in Atok, Syria, and greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching. But we did not send them. So we didn't send these people teaching these things. Peter stood up there and look at what Peter said in Acts 15 verse 6. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue at the meeting after a long discussion. Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. Hear it and believe. God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their heart through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentiles believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? For we believe... We believe that we are all saved the same way by the understanding, the undeserved grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why are you putting something else? We are saved by grace, all of us. Gentile Jews. Why are you trying to add something there? Why are you challenging God? God finished the thing. Why are you adding your own stuff? Peter stood up and defended the gospel. You should stand up and defend the gospel. And then these people twist the word of God to suit their, you know, they take the word of God and twist it to suit their theologies. Second Thessalonians, no. First, second Peter 2.15. I remember the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted these letters to mean something quite different. They take scripture, twist it, because they're so proud. They must see that they are right. Just as they do with other parts of scripture. And this will result in their destruction. Don't take, Bible and make Bible, take the word of God and corrupt it so that you, you come out proud, you know, defending what is obviously not the Bible. Obviously not the Bible. And they become so desperate, you, you can't believe this one. They introduce literature claiming that it is God, claiming it is Bible, claiming it is this uh, manuscript and that manuscript. They introduce they are, man, the devil is just that, that bad. They introduce this things. Second Thessalonians 2, 2, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you with, by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away face and that man of sin be revealed. Revealed the son of perdition. See what he said. He said that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as it is from us. So they brought letters and saying the the apostles wrote this, and it's not them. So they bring letters as if it's from us. So this manuscript said this. This one said this. Said this. Bringing all manner of things. And then they use false miracles. The devil is desperate to pull us away from Christ. Desperate. Second Thessalonians 2, 9-11. to This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Because why will he succeed? Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that will serve them. So God said, well, since you don't want to learn, you're not interested in knowing the truth, go ahead. Enjoy yourself in deceit. Have fun. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. They believe they are never interested in the being taught. Not, you know, you have to be teachable. They're not teachable. They know everything. Before you say one, they know it. Know this one. They're above the everybody. We, too, that are Christians, we must be careful that when we preach, we preach the truth. Don't, 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 ah, don't remove because others are doing that. Stick with the gospel. First Peter 4, 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God. Speak as the pure word that God gave. Don't change it. If anyone minister, let him do it as with the ability with God's supply. That all things, that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom belong the glory, the dominion, Forever and ever, and everybody say, amen. And then the the best defense of the gospel is the life we live. It's the life that proves that Christ saved us for real. Remember, remember what the scripture says. It said, even if they don't believe, by our chaste conversation, they will see that this is true. Paul made himself an example. He said I was the worst sinner. But my life proves that Christ came to save sinners. Check it out. And you see it yourself. And so we should be example. Not just words. But our life is the gospel. Is the scripture. Is the epistle that God has written to people. Don't for a minute think that what you do does not negate the gospel if it is wrong. Because you are confusing people. You are confusing people. We are the, the scripture, the, the gospel. We, we saw, you remember what we said about our brother, that the co-workers followed the church and sat there. That's the life that proved that Jesus saves. A light. The Bible said, I've set you for a light to the Gentiles. I've set you for a light to the people. You are the light of this world. I, I lit you up. I am the light. I'm in you. The life-saving power of Christ, the life of Christ, the power of Christ, the spirit of Christ. Is I walk in you to will and to do as you trust me. And I'm doing this. Thing. My light is showing forth. He said, let this shine so that they will see it. That's what happened to our brother. They followed him here. They saw a great light, and they followed that light to church. The greatest defense of the gospel is the life we live in your family. Oh, we we boastful. Forget about boastfulness. If you are light, people will see it. You don't have to advertise it. People will see. It. See, when I got saved, oh, well, my father wasn't happy at all because he felt I left their church, you know, for another church. And I, I, I didn't have wisdom. I didn't. I, I was zealous without knowledge. So I didn't have, I didn't follow it the way I should have followed. My father was a wonderful, wonderful Christian who loved Jesus with all his heart. You know, but he couldn't understand why his only boy. He called me and said, is there anything I didn't teach you? I said, Dad, you taught me everything. But it's now that I really understand what you taught me. He, he, he was very disappointed. And then people took advantage. They came and went, oh, my God. They broke his heart. Telling him all manner of things about this thing your son has entered, born again, carry Bible, all manner of things. But my father said one thing. That's where I'm going. He stood up. He said one thing. He said, there's something I've observed about this, my son. He's not who he used to be. That's what he said. He said, everything, <laughs> he said, leave him alone. He said, I've observed something. He is not who he used to be. That should be the testimony about all of us. I'm trusting God that the same testimony continues with my wife and children and everywhere where I go, my father. Can you imagine the, the 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 grief in his heart? A very godly man. I have not met many people like my late father. Oh, very sincere. And his prayer was powerful. Unless he didn't talk to God. I saw this man sitting sorrowfully thinking about the, his son. Is he locked? Did he get into the right thing? People were coming and bombarding him. So many stuff. And he was pastoring a church. But he said, leave Emmanuel alone. He said, I've observed something. He's not who he used to be. I pray that God, that we did the testimony, that the spirit of Christ in us, Manifest And people will look at him and say, this gospel is true. He's not who he used to be. We used to be so angry, throwing tantrums. He's so quiet now. Something really happened. To God be all that glory. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your word that came forth to us. Challenging us to understand the gospel of grace and mercy. To understand the gospel of Christ. And to stand firm in it. For therein is our salvation. Not to be moved from it. Until we see Jesus face to face. We worship your father. We exalt you. We magnify you. Turn our hearts away. From the deceitful things. All over the world. Focus it on Christ. That we shall live in pursuit of Jesus alone. What else is there to pursue? It's not about being a senior pastor. It's not about preaching here. It's not about anything. It's about Jesus. It's about knowing Him. You said, don't boast in anything else, but that you know me. That I'm a God who loves unfailing love. May you move our hearts away. From the things of this world that the enemy is using to distract us. Making them to look important. And then our vision of Jesus is becoming dim and dim and dim and dim. And, dim. and we are in church seeing do things Powerlessly. 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 Pray, Father, that you direct us back to Jesus. That we focus on him. Be in pursuit of him. Like Paul, want to know him. And have fellowship with him. Every day of our life. For we need you, Daddy. We need Jesus. Every hour. Without him, we can do nothing. Thank you, Father. Blessed be thy name. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.